Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Attention, high performers. Are you ready to shatter your limitations and supercharge your dating life? If you're serious about unlocking your full potential, then it's time to ignite your X Factor with the Art of Charm X Factor Accelerator. Discover our secret weapon designed exclusively for driven individuals just like you who demand more from life and are eager to elevate their skills and mindset. We'll laser focus on connection, mindset, and relationships turbocharging your progress and catapulting you towards your goals at warp speed. Whether you're on a mission to forge unbreakable bonds with colleagues, clients, potential partners, or hungry to cultivate a relentless growth mindset that empowers you to conquer challenges and taste success, the Art of Charm X-Factor Accelerator community is your ultimate ally. Experience tailor-made guidance and unwavering support as you triumph in every sphere of your life. Inside the X-Factor Accelerator, your dating life will be transformed. Master the art of building deep connections, radiate unshakable confidence, and attract the relationship of your dreams. Don't resign yourself to mediocrity. Seize the opportunity to join the X-Factor Accelerator today and unleash your true potential. Visit unlockyourxfactor.com and embark on a journey towards elite-level social skills that will skyrocket your career, personal life, and relationships. Remember, the key to greatness lies in your hands. Join us inside the X-Factor Accelerator and morph into the best version of yourself. Time waits for no one. Race to unlock your X-Factor.com today. Welcome to the Art of Charm podcast, where we break down the science of powerful communication and winning mindsets so you have the cheat code to succeed with people. Every episode is jam-packed with actionable steps to unlock the hidden superpowers inside of you. Level up with us each week by listening to interviews with the best in business, psychology, and relationships. We distill thousands of hours of research into the most effective tools and the latest science so you can start winning today. Let's face it, in order to be seen and heard, your communication needs to cut through the noise, and we're going to show you how. I'm AJ, successfully recovered introvert, entrepreneur, and self-development junkie. And I'm Johnny Zubak, former touring musician, promoter, rock and roller, and co-founder here at The Art of Charm. And for the last 15 years, we've trained thousands of top performers and teams from every background. We have dedicated our lives to teaching men and women all they need to know about communication, networking, and relationships. You shouldn't have to settle for anything less than extraordinary. All right, let's kick off today's show. Today, we've actually prepared something really special for you. Over the past few years, we've had many guests from the military and special forces join us. We received a lot of positive feedback from our listeners about the insights that these guests shared. So today's episode is a compilation of three Navy SEALs we've had on the show, David Goggins, Dan Luna, and Rich Divini. Today, we're going to share with you the secret to building Navy SEAL grit, how to wire your brain for success, the key to identifying the right areas for personal growth, and how Navy SEALs set goals that guarantee motivation and growth. Let's start with David Goggins, who shared the secret to building grit and resilience after recognizing he was not where he wanted to be in his life. Listen to him talk about developing an alter ego and what he had to overcome in order to go from working as an exterminator to joining the Navy SEALs and going through Hell Week not just once, but three times. So I take a lot of passion in who I am as a person. As you hear, as this podcast gets going and going and going, what you're going to do is you're going to transform me from this guy right now that's kind of chilled out in this room, David Goggins, to Goggins. And I had to invent this person. David Goggins is an introverted, soft kid that got beat up growing up and mindset, had, had to lie to create friends, to get friends, to be accepted. So um, 
my life has really been about two people. Very scary, but two people. I had to invent a whole another human being to get outside of my comfort zone. And that human being became Goggins. Goggins is like the guy that walks out of the, out of the phone booth. He's like that Superman that walks out of the phone booth. And I was talking to my fiance today about, it's kind of strange how sometimes I have a conversation between David Goggins and Goggins. And Goggins would tell David Goggins about the shit he's done. And David Goggins like, what the hell, man? Why are you doing that? That's nuts. So it's, it's kind of this battle between trying to find more of yourself, knowing that the real you is afraid, likes comfort, likes living in a world that is a, that likes to pat you on the back, give you the things that you want to hear, not the things that you have to hear to get better. So that's where all this kind of started from. And when people hear this podcast, they're going to hear a lot of things that they're going to want to put a title on me. They're going to definitely want to put a title on me to make themselves feel better. I asked them during this podcast, do not do that. Do not look at what you're going to hear put a title on me because basically what you're doing is you're giving yourself a get out of jail free card. Exactly. It's all you're doing. It's all you're doing is saying, this guy was some super freak. He found some super thing in his brain that was locked up. He unleashed it and became this guy. It's a fucking lie. Because every day I wake up, I dread the day. I dread the day of what I'm going to bring on myself to get better. And when did... Goggins' this alter ego appear in your life for the first time? Goggins appeared and disappeared several times. Okay. It appeared the first time when I was 17, and we'll get to that, but it really appeared when I gained about 125 pounds. I went to, from 175 to 300 pounds almost. And lowest part of my life, I was in a fucked up relationship. I was making no money. I was spraying for cockroaches. And all this stuff was just coming on me. And I was like, I have to find something. And I, Goggins came out. Like through all my insecurities, all my fears, all my doubts, all my introverted ways. I used to stutter real bad. Everything I did, I had to find strength in that. And that's kind of what happened. About 24 years old. Okay. And the story, if I recall correctly, is walking into try to become a Navy SEAL mm-hmm. into a recruiter's office yep. and basically getting laughed out of the office. It happened about seven times. Okay. So I give people like the quick version. Right. The quick version, I give them one episode. This is about two weeks. And in my book, I go through it. You know, I was sitting on the couch, saw this show on Discovery Channel. And that started the process of, I think I want to be a Navy SEAL. So I started calling up different recruiters, walking into some. Some guy said to me, you're fat and you're black. He was an observant motherfucker, you know, 300 pounds, (laughs) black guy walking. He's very observant. So that kind of went on for a while until I met one recruiter. And one recruiter saw something in me that no one else saw and gave me a shot and gave me a shot. And a challenge, right? Come back, lose the weight. Right. So basically I walked in, I had about three months, a little less than three months to lose 106 pounds. So I was like, this is fucking impossible, man. I can't do that. At that time, I had no real drive to be a Navy SEAL, to be anything. I just knew something had to change. This isn't going to work, man. This lifestyle that I'm living, something has to change. So I went to work that day and I was praying for cockroaches. And lo and behold, it's a very bad day at work. I found a whole bunch of cockroaches, rodents. It's a bad restaurant. And I came home. I quit my job that day. I was driving home. I said, I got I to fucking do something. And I said, I'm going to go home and run four miles. And four miles is only a quarter mile. And then from there, the story really begins from that right. point. And I feel like that's such a crossroad in everyone's life where someone tells you you can't, you're not good enough, don't even try, give up. Right. And when you're staring that self-doubt and wanting to quit in the face, can you at least speak to the listeners who are feeling that right now? What would you say to yourself at that point? Well, I understand it. It's a miserable place. Now that I'm going there, now you have me. I'm living on that couch right now with a milkshake in my hand, thinking about how the fuck am I going to pull this off? I feel like that moment is relatable to everyone. Right. And a lot of us have 
multiple moments like that in our lives. And most of us choose the easier route to quit. We'll talk a little bit more about this. You know, some of us get coaches and mentors and trainers that kind of help us push through that. You're sitting there on the couch. It's you. Right. There's no one, there's no seal yelling in your (laughs) ear saying, get the fuck up. We got to do this. And we were talking about this on the way over is we're living in this world where you don't want to upset anybody. You don't want to tell them no. You don't want to tell them they're not good enough. You don't want to hurt them because they might feel bad. Right. We already have that feeling within us. And if you stomp that out, what is going to drive you to get better? Well, that's what I realized for myself was I wanted that comfort zone. that Everybody looks for that pat on the back. They don't want to hear all the bad shit. They want to hear everything that they're doing right. And I realized that's what kept me in this world. That's what kept me in this world of not accomplishing anything. So what I did was I became that big, bad, nasty motherfucker that you don't want to walk into at nighttime. I became the roughest critic in the world on myself. And that's what changed me. I literally saw myself in the mirror. I saw the truth versus saying, you know, my dad did this to me from, you know, from beating me. Kids in school from calling me nigger did this to me. My life did this to me. My fucked up, broken foundation did this to me. I took that and said, you know what? Well, some people may help this happen, but now I have to own this. No one's going to come back to save me. No one's going to come back on this fucking couch and say, hey, it's okay. You're going to be okay. No, I'm not. I'm not going to be okay. I had to realize I had to take a stand. I had to make a real stand. And it was painful to look at who I, like who I was, what the world and myself created. It created a, 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 a very lonely, depressed, insecure man that would do anything just to have a friend. And I saw that as very pathetic. When you look at the truth, it becomes very ugly and pathetic. So you lose the weight, you show back up at the recruiter's office. Right. He's got to be surprised all hell. (laughs) Did he even recognize you? Well, what happened was, in the real story, how that happens is, I would call this guy up at almost every night, about 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, and give him an update. Wow. I said, hey, man, I've lost 25 fucking pounds. Because no one knew what I was doing. Yeah. I had to, I had to have some, so I'm really good at creating an enemy. I'm really good at creating something that I'm against. And I'm also good at, if you ever tell me something that I cannot do, I'm going to let you know that I'm doing it. Somehow, somehow you're going to fucking know one way or another that I'm doing it. It may not be like in your face. I may make sure that I run across the daggone world. So then it's on the news and you turn the news on and say, how the hell (laughs) did he do that? I want to do something that, you know, I'm here. I'm here. So every, every time I lose like a big significant amount of weight, I call that recruiter up and say, hey, man, I'm here. I'm here. And before I knew it, man, this guy became almost like my best friend at that time. Because he started seeing, I started actually changing his life. You know, I started, you know, he started seeing, wow, man, like, I'm glad I took a shot on this guy. Right. And not only did I lose weight, I had to go back and take the ASVAB test to give us like a watered down SAT a couple more times just to get in the Navy SEAL. So it was a big process. So that, so that three months was packed full of like failures, depression, even more. But what I found out in that whole three months, I lived a lifetime in that three months. I started realizing if I can flip, if I can flip these insecurities upside down, if I can flip this fear, if I can flip all this shit that made me this depressed, insecure guy, if I can flip it and make it work for me versus against me, I started seeing the power, the power in failure, the power in insecurity, the power in self-doubt. Because I looked at everybody. It may not be true, but that's how I looked at everybody. It's being way above me. I thought to myself, if I can be at the lowest part in the world, in the sewer, and be able to overcome all this shit, I started using that as power. And I slowly started passing the guys from Harvard, the guys from MIT, the guys who were these great, from great families and shit. I'm like, oh my God, I'm catching up. I'm catching up. I had nothing. So I started flipping it and using this power. 
In this next clip, David Goggins talks about what helped him pull off these superhuman feats, like running over 70 ultra-distant races or completing over 4,000 pull-ups in 17 hours. Well, I know one thing, and this is a true statement that I've said several times. A lot of us don't know of a whole nother world that exists. It's on the other side of suffering. Once you break these barriers that you have made for yourself, like the mind is the most powerful thing in the world, in the world. Is. It is so amazing that I used to be a 300 pound guy and I thought that was it. Could barely read, could do anything. And now what was inside that person was this guy that's in front of you today. That's how scary the mind is. And that's what I started realizing through this journey is that once I got a taste of, wow, man, I haven't even cracked. I haven't even begun to crack what the mind is capable of. And what I started realizing is on the other end of suffering, that's the real growth of life because you realize how the mind processes shit. And I talk about another thing called theory and practice. A lot of people are theorists. These smart guys that read these fucking books and shit, man, and they sit down, they tell you what the mind is supposed to do. And a lot of us listen to that shit. It becomes like, this is it, man. This old man who has been studying the mind forever, this is the cap that we have. By being a practitioner, I went out and realized a lot of these guys are so wrong, man. The mind has capabilities that are so unknown. And I found that through suffering. And there's a whole nother world on the other end of that. And I feel like, there's the physical governor that your body kicks in and says, I can't do this. And then right. there's the mental governor. Right. And a lot of us allow the mental governor to kick in right. far earlier than necessary. Right. And I've always found that at the moment that that kicks in and you push the other side of it, mm -hmm. you actually get this surge of physical energy. That's right. Of feeling that capable of anything, that right. superhuman power. But most of us try to avoid even getting close to the governor. Right. I call that my 40% rule, where like a car has a governor on it. It can go 130. You know, the governor's only going to go 91. Right. And the whole thing about that is a true statement, you know, like, like what you said. Our mind wants to protect us. The mind is like, honestly, it has a tactical advantage over us. It knows our deepest, darkest fears or insecurities. It knows where we start to feel, we start getting that doubt creeping. It says, hey, man, you know what, man? Maybe this isn't good. Let's go back home to the wife. Let's go back home to the kids. This is not comfortable. So in that moment, the mind directs us. It's a protective mechanism. It saves us for doing bodily harm or, or it really saves us from discovering that the mind's like, I want to be in charge of you. I don't want you to be in charge of me. So it tells you, let's just stop right here. But once you start breaking through that barrier and start breaking down that governor, that governor that you've put in your mind, because we forget we are in control of our mind. We believe it's the other way around. No, we put in our minds what we should do, but we believe our mind is telling us, it's, it's giving us all this feedback. We have to reprogram it and tell us, no, 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 we're good. We're good. We got, it's, this sucks. But it's okay. And I think one of the remarkable things about the transformation in the beginning was, you know, here after completing over 60 ultra marathons, you, it seems like you're genetically gifted. Miles are no problem. But at the start, getting just over a mile was a struggle. Yeah. And quit was at the forefront of your mind the entire time. Mm -hmm. So for our listeners who are like, man, I can't run that. I can't do this physical stuff. Like that's great mental toughness, but I, I'm not even meant for the, the physical side of things. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit to us about that mile marker one, mile marker two, to now looking for unlimited miles. Right. Well, the first big thing is, once again, it goes back to open-mindedness. If you walk into any kind of event whether it be physical or mental, if you walk in with already putting that block on your mind, if man, this ain't going to happen. People go, how did you run 135 miles to death badness? How did you run 100 miles with no training? Because I went into it not thinking, I can't do this, man. I went into it with a strategy. I had an open-mindedness. So until your mind is open to the possibilities that I can do this, 
you would never be able to do it. Once the mind starts to believe it can be achieved, it then, only then, does it start to break down tactically how we can do this. Until then, you're going to always lose. To listen to the full episode with David Goggins, go to episode 730, Master Your Mindset with David Goggins, linked in the show notes. Exciting news, Johnny. We have a new sponsor of our show today, Caldera Lab. Say goodbye to the generic face wash on your counter because Caldera Lab is here to save the day when it comes to your skin. Backed by a leading clinical trial where nine out of 10 men experience healthier and visibly improved skin, Caldera Lab has the tools to unlock your best first impression and confidence. Today, we have an exclusive offer for our audience so you could try for yourself why so many men trust Caldera Lab for their skincare needs. Use code CHARM at calderalab.com for 20% off their best products. Everyone knows I live out here in Vegas in the desert and my skin is always irritable and cracking. And let's be honest, the lines are piling up at 49 years old. Absolutely. And as someone who's always struggled with a bit of acne, it's great to have a face wash that finally clears up my skin. Caldera Lab creates high-performance men's skincare products by combining pharmaceutical-grade science along with nature's purest, the most potent ingredients. Kicking off their stellar skincare selection, we have a regimen bundle, a twice-a-day routine to transform your skin. Inside this bundle, you'll find the clean slate, the base layer, and the good. Ready to take your skin to the next level with Caldera Lab? Look no further than the icon. The rejuvenating eye serum is here to address the three most common skin concerns around the eye. Fine lines, dark circles, and puffiness. Caldera Lab is a certified B corporation, as well as a member of the 1% for the planet. Caldera Lab is here to upgrade your skin and confidence. Get 20% off with our code CHARM at calderalab.com. That's 20% off at calderalab.com by using code CHARM. Unlock your youthful glow and be ready for summer with Caldera Lab. Another Navy SEAL that we had on the show is Rich Divini. Rich is a former Navy SEAL and draws upon 20 years of experience as a SEAL officer where he completed more than 13 overseas deployments, 11 of which were in Iraq and Afghanistan. Throughout his career, he's achieved multiple leadership positions, including being the commanding officer of Navy SEAL Command. Since he retired from the military in 2016, Rich has worked with Simon Sinek and his team to help leaders and organizations create environments where people feel valued and free to explore their potential. Listen to Rich share what it takes to become a Navy SEAL. Wow. Uh, what lured me? Well, so I grew up wanting to be a Navy pilot. In fact, my twin brother and I both wanted to be, well, we wanted to be pilots and we wanted to fly jets. And we said, okay, Air Force or Navy. And both of us, we grew up in Connecticut on the coast. So we both love the ocean. So we figured if you do the Navy, then you could fly jets and be near the ocean and land on ships. And, you know, what's tougher than that? So that's really where, you know, kind of how we were bent for most of our, I mean, that was like from the time we were six or seven years old. And then it was after the, the first Gulf War in, the 90, in 1990. And I remember uh, reading an article about the spec ops forces to include the SEALs and learned about these guys and said, man, these guys are, they, they seem to do everything. They're water, they're, they're winter warfare, they're desert, they're jungle. And, you know, back then, no one knew, very few people knew what Navy SEALs were, to include myself. So I just started reading books and I said, man, these, this seems like, it seems pretty pretty badass. <laughs> and so, um, and so yeah, we, we ended up uh, at Purdue University. I was in an ROTC program and, and ultimately said to myself, well, I knew I could be a pilot, um, but I, I wanted to see if I could be a SEAL. And um, applied, got selected, fortunately, and then and then actually made it through the training and spent the next 20 years in a very kinetic world because who knew what was going to happen, you know, after 9-11 and how it ended up. So um, so incredibly grateful to have done it. Uh, my, my twin brother ended up becoming a pilot. He flew the Harrier in the Marine Corps. So that's the, the, the jet that goes up and down vertically. Um, so I lived vicariously through him and he lived vicariously through me. And, um, and here we are. I retired in uh, end of 2016. I retired from the military and, and have been speaking and reading and writing. <laughs> you know, I find there's two types of guys when looking at the military or a military career. One is what is the safest, easiest path? And the other guy's like, what is the toughest, most rugged, craziest path I can possibly take? And Rich, well, we know where you stand. <laughs> right. Well, there's a, the military provides a lot of opportunity. And, um, and yeah, for some... And again, there's no judgment there. For some, it's like, hey, it's an opportunity to do something, get an education, you know, serve in a different way. Uh, for others, guys, much more like myself, I guess, it's like, hey, there's 
It's an opportunity to have some action and adventure and try to do something very few people can do. And now, again, part of the job, part of the part of what you sign up for is to go to war. And um, and again, when we signed up, there was nothing going on. So so when war actually you know is is in front of your face, you see okay, who's who's really in it? <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> absolutely. But, uh, but and I don't say that to glorify. I mean, you know, quite honestly, war is horrible, and we should you know we should do everything we can to avoid it if we can. But um, but it does become very real once you're there. So. As a Navy SEAL, Rich had to learn to confront his fears to the point where he'd no longer even feel them. And he made some very good points that helped our listeners understand the difference between anxiety and insecurity and how everyone can start to inoculate themselves against them. What SEALs and those people who, who actually more habitually step into their fears, what they've, what they've experienced and they've, they've kind of realized is this reward that it feels good to do it, you know? Um, when you step in, it feels good. When you step in, it feels good. And it's encouraging you to go. So I think um, any one of us can actually practice our courage. You know, um, we could practice our courage by doing things that scare us. <laughs> now, it doesn't have to be extreme. Okay, you don't have to go skydiving tomorrow, right? Um, you can, st- if you're an introvert, you can start a conversation with a stranger. I mean, you can, you can, you can give, you can stand up in front of in front of people and and, and give a read a poem. I don't know, whatever that is, but. But just notice when you do it, when you when you step into it, notice the feeling you get because it's a it's a reward system and it allows you to keep going. So, so I just think I've been fortunate enough to somewhere along the line, early I guess early on, um, have made it more of a habit to step into those things that that I don't you know that kind of make me might be frightened, right? Whether it's heights and I didn't I never put flying in the category of heights. And when you're in an airplane, it doesn't feel like at least for me it doesn't feel like I'm high up. It's really open heights, <laughs> jumping out of airplanes or you know things like that. Um, but yeah, every time I did that, I had to proactively step into it and do it. And then when I was getting out of the Navy, um, I realized you know based on some things I wanted to talk about and kind of put out in the world, hey, I should probably get good at public speaking. Um, and I don't like public speaking, so what did I do? I said, well, let me find a job where I'm doing that all the time, you know, and practice it. And so and so now, yeah, I've gotten to the point where I no longer. I've inoculated myself. You know, I, I no longer feel the same fear going into a public speaking event. Or, or now, I, I haven't jumped out of airplanes in years, right? It's been a, it's been quite a while. So I think I'd still feel the fear, <laughs> you know, because you can't. You know, if you, it does, it does atrophy <laughs> if you don't practice it a lot, right? So, um, so you have to practice it. But but we can do it, and it's a reward system that we should, in fact, um, capitalize on. You mentioned about stepping into fear and making it a, a habit. And and I think that's important for people to realize. And when you accept responsibility for the choices that you make, knowing that there are consequences to those choices, eventually you make your way to taking responsibility for even the presentation that you're putting out there. But also you're going to get to a place where you're taking responsibility for how you view those fears. And, and, and we have opportunities every day to start building habits to step into that fear. And I, and, and I, it's difficult for people to understand all those opportunities that they have without accepting that responsibility. Totally. 100% agree. 100% agree. And it's, um, it's, so it's interesting. Account, you know, respo- taking responsibility and taking accountability is an interesting thing because people talk about it. Hey, it's such a great. A- I have it as an attribute, right? And it is a great. And it's one of the leadership attributes. But sometimes people don't understand the power of accountability. All right, um, human beings want certainty. You know, and and oftentimes certainty also means control. We want to be certain. We want to take control. Well, accountability, taking responsibility, and taking accountability is taking control of a situation. That's what it is. You are basically taking control of everything that just happened by saying, I am accountable, this is on me, and then immediately you're put in your position where you can now solve it and you can now get better. You have taken the driving driver's wheel, taken control of everything that just happened, regardless of whether or not it, it was totally, in fact, your fault, right? Um, it's, a, it's a process by which you can actually take control, and that's why it's so powerful. And when you have that control, as soon as you're in the driver's seat, you can drive that car wherever you want. And oftentimes, you're going to drive it and steer it towards learning, development, and, grow, and growth. Well, there's certainly been decisions that I have made strictly on the fact, regardless of how I felt in the moment, that it's just it's better for me and the results are going to be more beneficial if I just go through this. When... 
it would have been very easy for me just to say no. But again, it's taking responsibility for those decisions and knowing what's on the other side and knowing what's best for me, regardless of how I felt in the moment. And the science is clear. Exposure therapy works when we're facing down our fears. It doesn't necessarily mean that you actually have to be jumping out of the plane, but even a VR headset that simulates that to allow your body to work through that fight or flight response in a meaningful way, practiced, measured, gets you to a place where that fear shrinks. It doesn't go to zero. You're not going to be fearless because it's a biological process to keep us alive, but we are wired that the more we experience some discomfort, the less painful that discomfort becomes. And that fear of the unknown, the uncertainty, doesn't have the same grip on us. And we practice that in our coaching with our clients in Core Confidence, where we create exercises to step outside of your comfort zone. And that forms the building blocks of confidence. And I know you have thoughts around building confidence as well. It's been a big part of your career and success. So for those in our audience who are feeling a lack of confidence, and of course this last year has set a lot of us back, what advice do you have around building confidence in our lives to take action to face these fears? Yeah, I think you know the way I would define true confidence is this idea that um, you feel it's not so much you anticipate you you know what's going to happen you can anticipate or you have a bunch of skills. You I think true confidence is knowing that no matter how no matter where this environment goes around me, I'll I'll perform. You know, that, and that's what it is, right? So, um, and I think what you said is is both poignant and in line with what with answering the question, and that is um, when you are exposing yourself to something you're afraid of over and over again, what you're really doing is you're actually training yourself in, the, in those tools required to actually, in fact, buy down that fear. You know, you're, and, and the way we do it, so fear is interesting. Fear is a combination, really, ultimately, of two things, uncertainty and anxiety, okay? Both of those combined create fear, because you can have one without the other, and fear doesn't exist. You can be anxious without being uncertain, that's like I got a presentation next week that I'm giving to the boss, and I know the presentation, and it's you know I know what it's going to look like. I know where I'm going. It's just I'm a little anxious. Okay, I'm not fearful. I'm just anxious, um, and I'm not uncertain. Um, you can be uncertain without being anxious. Okay, that's every kid on Christmas Eve. All right, so there's no fear there. Um, if you have both, if they start combining, you start to tip into fear. All right, and when you do, you can begin to buy down your fear by buying down either one of those. Okay, uh, those polarities. Anxiety is internally focused; it's physiological, and um, that's you know, I, you know, pupils dilating, breathing uh, quickens, all that stuff. You can begin to buy down that with physiological means. You can you can do breathing exercise. You can breathe slower. You can do open gaze. You know, things like that. That that starts shifting your sympathetic towards your parasympathetic systems. So you can buy down anxiety. What that's also doing is that's also bringing your conscious mind back online because when our amygdala starts ticking up and getting overloaded, our conscious mind begins taking a back seat. So by buying down anxiety, you're bringing your conscious mind back online. As your conscious mind comes back online, you can begin buying down uncertainty. A little bit more difficult because uncertainty is external, right? <laughs> that's, the, that's the world around you that you don't, it's going on without you controlling it. But you can do that by asking yourself some questions. And we do this, SEALs do this all the time, really unconsciously. Um, you say to yourself, what about this environment do I understand, okay? And however, whatever that list is, however small, you look at that and say, okay, um, what can I control in this moment? You pick something and you control, you move towards that, okay? As soon as you make that movement, you get a dopamine response, you get a dopamine reward, right? And that dopamine reward allows you to then ask the question again, okay, now what can I control? Okay, now what can I control? You're basically stepping through your fear, what exposure does, the way that you're talking about, whether it be VR or real, or real, is allows someone to work through those processes mentally so that as they do it over and over, go, they, it, they begin to get um, very good. They begin to, begin to understand exactly how to step through that particular fear neurologically. They know how to do it. And, and so that's why it gets easier. In fact, they're not, it's not that they're getting used to the fear. It's actually, they're, in fact, they're getting less afraid because this is, this is what happens. And as you get less afraid, by the way, um, the amygdala starts to come up. You don't, you don't get that amygdala response. And when fear no longer shows up, there's no longer courage either, which means you don't get the dopamine reward, right? So you can, in fact, inoculate yourself so much to something that 
you no longer need courage to do it, and you're no longer feeling the rewards of, of dopamine either, right? This, this could be the person who's afraid of skydiving and ends up doing 20,000 jumps, right? By the, time, by the time they're on their 20,000 jump, they don't need courage to do it anymore. They're just doing it, you know, because the, because the amygdala is not even getting tickled. So, so it's that process by which people can actually uh, use. I love this. And what's interesting here and why a lot of people have difficult deciphering when it's fear or when it's anxiety is because it all comes from the same place. It begins in your gut. And it's difficult to to separate what that is. And this is exactly why we built our core confidence program because it allows everyone an opportunity in a safe environment to have that feeling. And then, as you mentioned, start to go down the list of questions to decipher, if, am, am I in a, a, a place where I could get harmed? Am I in a place where I can gain something? And if it's a place where you can gain something, and then going through the cognitive processes to allow you to go through it and then be reflective and pull out of that something that makes you a better person. Yeah. Well, and what you're saying is really important because you, because that uh, that first question is also important. Is this something that I can get harmed from? Right. Because because sometimes flight is the right response. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, and, and and people think. I mean, okay, fear. Yeah, fear is also by by nature's design to uh, allow us to appropriately assess risk so that we may survive. Because sometimes, yes, you need to run. It's not a good idea to step into it. And so I think that's an important uh, important distinction. Well, look at all the other mammals when they even have that inkling of that that hit of fear, anxiety that's going on, they bolt, right? The rabbit, the deer, they're out of there. What are they missing in life? Because they have this automatic response. We have this opportunity to work through these feelings, but you're not going to learn how to do that without that reflection and then that understanding of what your emotional processes are to that stimuli. Lennon and McCartney, Jagger and Richards, Watson and Crick, AJ and Johnny. What about the perfect duo when it comes to growing your business? Well, that's you and Shopify. That's right, Johnny. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling your own fire merch or promoting your productivity programs. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort, thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, as well as millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. And AJ, you don't have to just sell your stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from the brands that you love, giving your customers more variety and your business more sales. Shopify is your no-excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash charm. Go to shopify.com slash charm now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash charm. Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. In fact, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to recent Indeed survey. We have hired a lot of team members over the last 17 years. 
going through endless resumes, well, that's a time sink. But you know what else is a time sink? Interviewing endless people, because they're all going to give you the best face forward. That's why we love Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash charm. Just go to indeed.com slash charm right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. Go to kajabi.com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. You're totally right. Yeah. And I think you know, nature can teach us a lot about that because we also see uh, uh, aspects of nature when fear causes them to fight too. The dog that bites you is is likely biting you because it's afraid, right? I mean, um, so so there are, I mean, the, even, the, even the bear that attacks you, there might be cubs. I mean, that, that bear is afraid of your, the cubs getting it. So, so the, the nature, I mean, we, we're, we're part of nature. I mean, we're animals at the end of the day, right? So we, we need only look to the animal world to, see, to learn some lessons about how we operate. We certainly have been given through our conscious, uh, our, our conscious mind some, some opportunity uh, that other species, at least to our knowledge, <laughs> don't have. Um, but, uh, but there's a lot of lessons there. I think for those in the audience who are feeling that fear and, and thinking about this, the most important thing that you mentioned is taking that step because fear locks us up. And whatever that may be in your life, that first step is going to be the most difficult. And then the next step is going to be easier. And the next step thereafter is going to be easier. So when we're facing down those fears, reminding ourselves that that first step, it's going to be hard. That's okay. It is a part of the process that I'm working through. And of course, through experience, you realize that in other areas, really, that's where we get away from just situational confidence and we start building confidence that allows us in areas where maybe we didn't even know we were afraid and we have that feeling. And I think it's important because we have to understand that you know our our, our nature designed our systems to protect our to protect ourselves from ultimately death, right, or serious injury, um, and that's why well, that's why fear exists in the first place. Um, but we have to understand that in today's environment, especially in the first world environment, right, um, there's actually very few things <laughs> that are actually going to hurt us or kill us, right, and and a lot of our fear is based on, on assumptions and, and predictions that are false. So I think a question that can be asked many times is, hey, what's the worst that can happen? And answer that honestly, because if you actually write those answers down, um, you're gonna find, well, actually that's not that bad. And, that's, and certainly that's not um, bad enough to limit my, my, my um, desire or my ability to try you know, uh, because, because man, the, the, the reward from trying is way, way better uh, and more powerful than just the, maybe this bad thing happening. Um, so, so I think, I think that's, that's a, a good, good question. question to ask. In our interview with Rich, 
He shared great insight from his leadership training, the ability to identify where you need to work on yourself. Ultimately, I am really deeply fascinated uh, with what I call elemental human behavior. What is it that causes us to behave when at like the atomic levels? Like, and that usually means like when things are really bad. When you know, we always say when when things are really bad and challenging, are the real us shows up. Okay, I'm interested in the real us. And maybe that's because I went through training that was like, it was like inherently shows the real, real us. Um, and so um, in, in beginning to deconstruct the difference, A, between attributes and skills and how these attributes are kind of elemental to our behavior, um, I said to myself, well, this is a way that we can help on people, we can, I can help people understand their own kind of engines. I kind of say humans are like cars, right? We're all, we're all automobiles. Um, some of us are Jeeps, some of us are Ferraris, some of us are SUVs, right? And there's no judgment because the Jeep can do things the Ferrari can't do and the Ferrari can do things the Jeep can't do. Um, but it's, it's, it makes, it's, makes a lot of sense and it helps out if we are able to once in a while lift the hoods of our own engines and figure out what we actually are. Because in fact, we might be a Jeep that's trying to run on a Ferrari track and we might be a Ferrari just that's running on a Jeep track. And again, there's no judgment there either. You can be a Jeep running on a Ferrari track, but you better, it's going to really help if you know you're a Jeep running on a Ferrari track because then you know exactly what you, <laughs> what you need to work on to continue to run on that track. Or you say to yourself, wait a second, that's why I'm not happy. That's why I'm not fulfilled is because I'm, a, I'm actually a Jeep trying to run on a Ferrari track. I'm a Ferrari trying to run on a Jeep track. So these attributes are, are one of the most, one of the elemental things about ourselves that we can start to figure out and say, okay, this is why and how I behave the way I do. And knowing that gives us some ammunition to both um, maximize our performance on whatever track we're on, um, but also understand how to do better um, and tweak our engines in ways that actually help us. Because we all know there's thousands upon tens of thousands upon maybe even millions of tips, tricks, and hacks out there on how to perform better, how to do better, all these little things you can do. And they don't, not everyone works on every person, right? You know, some, some don't work on other people and other, well, understanding your own engine understand, you know, helps you understand, okay, what's actually going to work on my engine? Because putting a nitrous oxide pack on a Jeep engine might not be the right idea. You know, you might blow the, blow the gaskets, right? So, so it helps you, in fact, pick the right tools by, by this self-awareness, self-understanding, you know? So that's, I think, one of my, what was one of my goals with writing this book was that to write a book that wasn't a SEAL book and it wasn't a book about SEALs or top performers or athletes or anything. The book, I wanted to write a book that's about the reader. And when the reader reads it, say, wait a second, this book's about me. <laughs> and, and I'm learning something about me. And that was what I wanted to do. And I think um, so far the, 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 the uh, feedback I'm getting is that, that, that that's what people are thinking, which is cool. That's, I love that analogy. And that's, it's wonderful because it gives everyone an opportunity to figure out what works best for them, where they can excel and putting this book together and doing the research and your findings. Is there anything in particular that somebody who is looking under their hood should be looking for in order to figure out whether they're the Jeep or the Ferrari or notable pieces that can help them orient to a, a better lifestyle that's, that suits their needs? Yeah, the, so, so the, the, the process is highly subjective and introspective. Um, and, so, and what I'll say about attributes is that attribute, we, all, we all have all of the attributes. You know, the, the difference in each one of us are the levels to which we have each, right? So if we take adaptability as an attribute, I might be, if, if one's low and 10's high, I might be a level eight on adaptability, which means when the world around me changes outside of my control, it's fairly easy for me to go with the flow and roll with it, right? Someone else might be a level three, which means when the same thing happens to them, it's difficult for them, right? Again, no judgment. Judging, judging where we fall on these attributes is like judging our hair color. There's nothing we can do. It's, it's useless. Um, <laughs> but but we, if we were to line all the attributes up on a wall like dimmer switches, all of our switches would be on different levels, and we'd have to figure that out. So, so that's number one is kind of figure out where you stand. And then it's going to be about understanding how that fits into the context of your current life and your current goal set, right? Because the attributes required to do one thing are different than the attributes required to do another. So the attributes required to be a, a Navy SEAL, that, that list is going, to, is going to be different than the attributes required to be a stand-up comic or a teacher or a doctor, right? Um, and some attributes, if you're low on, it doesn't really matter because in the context of your goal, it's actually fine, right? So the stand-up comic, for example, doesn't need a lot of empathy, Okay, it doesn't need to be high on the empathy scale. In fact, too much empathy might actually hurt a stand-up comic <laughs> because how are you supposed to find funny at a funeral if you're you have too empathetic, right? So, 
So, so if so, if a stand-up comic's in the stand-up comic world and says, "Oh, I'm a little low on empathy," it's like, okay, that's fine. I don't need to work on that. Um, but if the, if if on the on the other hand, someone says, "Yeah, I want to be I want to be a um, a surgeon," right? And so um, so courage, <laughs> in my mind, courage would have to be one of those ones you have a lot of because, gosh, I can't even imagine doing that. Um, then someone's going to need to work on that or whatever it is, uh, adaptability or perseverance. So you name the attribute. Again, it's a subjective task. So I think every person needs to understand, A, where they stand, and then B, say, hey, what are my goals? And what, what's the, what are the niches which, within, within which I want to excel and succeed? And then how does that line up with what I'm coming to the table with? You know? And if there are gaps, then start working the gaps. That's great. And most importantly is putting yourself in a position to be challenged so you can see where these attributes lie. You're not going to find them or discover them eating Cheetos, binging on Netflix. <laughs> That's right. In fact, and it's not something you're going to be able to look in the mirror and just guess. Uh, there was 138 folks in your hell week, if I remember correctly. And I'm sure every one of those guys going into it says, I got the attributes that it's going to take to get through this. And how many... Past. We started 168, something like that, and we graduated 38. Yeah, so, and that's normal numbers. I mean, you're, you're talking about 11%, 10 to 11% of, of, of success rates, so 89 to 90% attrition. Um, because, the, yeah, because these attributes are, are the most visible and visceral uh, experientially during times of challenge, uncertainty, and stress. You can't sit across. This is, where, this is where businesses and teams get it wrong because they assume sometimes that they can hire or they hire based on skills because skills are highly visible. They're measurable. You can, you can score them. You can put stats around them. You can put them on resumes. You can see. But skills don't tell us how people behave in uncertainty and, and challenge and stress. Attributes do. And so you can't sit across. And they're, because they're hidden, you can't sit across the, the, uh, the table from someone in, in an interview and assess how adaptable they are or how resilient they are. You just can't do it. It's experience that actually helps that vet out. Um, and, so, uh, and so it's important for us to understand that the, these experiences, and so here's the good news. Every single one of us if, as human beings has been through challenge, uncertainty, and stress. We all have, right? So we all have vignettes that we can look back on and start thinking about how we performed. And if we're honest with ourselves, we can say, you know what? I'm not very adaptable. <laughs> Adapting's hard for me, or I'm not very patient, or I'm not very resilient. That type of self-introspect or that type of introspection and, and self-awareness allows someone to then say, okay, do I need to work on that? If someone wants to develop an attribute, they can do it. It just takes a lot of it, it, it's different than learning a skill. You have to, it takes self-motivation, self-direction. And it takes a willingness for that person to step into discomfort and uncertainty and challenge so they may develop it. Um, but that's the difference. And, and a quick back of the envelope test for the audience. To determine whether or not it's a skill or an attribute is to ask the question or questions, can I teach it or can it be taught? Okay, if the answer is yes, it's probably a skill. If the answer is no, it's probably an attribute. The example would be AJ and Johnny, you say to me, Rich, I want to learn how to shoot a gun, a pistol, and hit a bullseye every time. Well, I could take both of you out to the range and, and teach you how to do that within a couple hours. That's a skill. But if you say, Rich, we want to be more patient, okay, I can't teach you patience. Right, both of you would have to go find. Uh, you'd have to be self-motivate, self-direct, and then go find experiences and situations that test and tease and develop your patience, whatever those are. So I don't know. You go to the grocery store and pick the longest line to stand in every time. I don't know what that is, or, or drive deliberately in ta- traffic. But you have to. You have to find them. To listen to our full conversation with Rich, check out Rich Divini: Five Navy SEAL Attributes to Overcome Any Obstacle and Achieve Optimal Performance. Linked in the show notes. And to wrap it up, here's some wisdom from Dan Luna. Dan's career with the Navy SEALs spanned 20 years where he led at the unit, operational, and command level. Hear Dan talk about getting and maintaining motivation and setting goals. So I really like defining things. So whether it's my definition or your definition, hey, let's, let's give this thing shape. So if we're going to use this word motivation, let's give it shape. And then as we give it shape, then we can measure it. So if we define it, we can measure it. Uh, right now, resilience is, is a great one. So there's over a hundred different, there's more, but particularly, you know, for my dissertation work and what I'm writing about within the military, there's over a hundred different definitions of resilience. So if there's that many definitions to define something, how do we measure it? And then what are we measuring? Are we measuring process? Are we measuring outcomes? Are we measuring attributes? Like, so how do we, how do we like get our mind around this? So for motivation, what I like using, which, once again, isn't my work, um, just 
all nerd stuff, is choice, persistence, and mental effort. So, oh, I'm really motivated to work out every day. Well, what motivates you? Well, I choose to live a certain way or whatever that choice is. Well, even though I choose to go work out, what's a, what's a mental effort in which I do and I put into that? Like I could go downstairs and ride the bike for, for 30 minutes and not break a sweat and somebody else could go downstairs. You know, I have a gym in my, my basement, you know, or I could go downstairs and work out, you know, for 15 minutes and like crush myself. So how much effort am I putting into that thing that I'm choosing? And then persistence, you know, how long am I doing this thing for? And so for motivation, it's a, that's a great way to break it out. What does somebody choose? Uh, persistence, mental effort. And then when it comes to goals, there could be a, a motivational gap. So in what they choose, it could be lack of confidence. Oh, I don't think I can do it. So now we're talking about self-efficacy. It could be, eh, I don't find value in that. So now we're talking like utility value. It could be an emotional like, ah, it doesn't feel good to me or I don't feel good, right? So now there's an emotion behind it. So there, there could be, so all of those kind of fall in the category of, of motivation. Another thing could be a knowledge gap. They simply don't know. Um, and then the final thing is, is classified. So the framework that I'm sharing with you guys right now is called KMNO. So knowledge, motivation, organization. It's another framework. It's actually a performance framework for gap analysis. And I'm I'm being a little nerdy here. Um, I feel like I'm looking at you guys and you guys are like two really cool dudes. And I feel like the the nerd on this podcast right now. So if we set a goal, I want to lose 10 pounds. We're essentially saying that there's a deficit, that, that I'm missing something or I want to make more money, or I want to do this, there is a space between where I currently am and where I want to be. So if there's a space, but there's a gap. So now how do, what is, what are the pair of glasses that I put on to look at that gap? Is there something that I don't know? Uh, I want to own a bunch of real estate and have passive income. Awesome. Do you know anything about real estate? No, I don't know anything about real estate, but I'm super (laughs) motivated. Okay, that's great. So now how do we close the gap? I need to learn more about commercial real estate. Okay, do you have the resources to get into commercial real estate? So kind of the O, the organization. Nope, my company has no money. I have no, I, I have nothing. Like, okay, maybe we need to work on some resources to bring in so then you can then close that gap. So once again, there's, there's many frameworks out there. This happens to be a framework um, that over the past few years of doing my dissertation, I picked because my audience is the SEAL teams who are deeply concerned with performance. So I chose a performance uh, framework. Well, what I love about that is it allows you to start to see the pieces in that gap that are missing. So we, we laughed about this earlier, but that common refrain of I've read all the books, I've listened to all the podcasts, we often over-index on the knowledge piece because it's just freely available. It's everywhere you look, every platform you on, there's knowledge. There's little tidbits of knowledge, there's science studies as we've gone into some of these deep uh, mindsets and frameworks here. They're all based in great experiments in, in science. We've shared a lot of knowledge. But oftentimes what we find with the clients that we work with, they're failing in the other two areas. They don't have the resources available to them in the organization piece, and they haven't really clearly aligned the motivation behind it. They're not quite sure. And sometimes that motivation waxes and wanes. And that's really where mentorship and accountability and coaching can come into play to help close that gap faster, right? But the last thing you want to be doing is just sitting there spinning your wheels in the knowledge department constantly accumulating more and more knowledge, but that gap never changes. It'll certainly allow you to argue on Twitter <laughs> for hours, but it certainly ain't getting you any closer to where you want and to that be. that goes back to the beginning of this, you know, talking to folks like, oh, I do all this stuff and I know, awesome, what are you doing with it? Or what's holding you back? You know, what is your leadership? The other things, what's your leadership workout look like? You know, so if leadership is a muscle, like you said earlier, how are you working out that muscle? What are you training on? What are you focusing on? And what's that focus going back to? Are you focusing on yourself? 
or is an area, you know, one element of yourself that you're really focusing on? Are you focusing on others or your team? Or are you focusing on the mission and the goals for it? So which element are you really focusing on? And I even, you know, I say all these things in a, in a shorter way when somebody asks me about book recommendations. You know, same thing. Dan, uh, what, do you, what book do you recommend? It's almost like what workout, what exercise do you recommend? Like, well, what are you trying to achieve? What are you trying to do? And how I look at books, it's the same way like nutrition. I'm trying to lose weight. Well, then I'm going to eat a certain way. I'm trying to put on weight. Well, then I'm going to eat a very different way. You know, I'm trying to do this or that. That's going to change what. It, so I'll ask individuals, you know, like, oh, what book do you recommend? What are you trying to do? What direction are you moving in? And, you know, specifically, and then what books will help support you with potentially that knowledge gap? And then going back to like, hey, we're closing that knowledge gap. And now how do you implement that in your doing? And if there's something missing there through journaling now, so now that we have framework that we can go through and framework helps ask us, we can ask ourselves questions. And as we put ourselves through the framework, as we learn to ask ourselves questions, we can now show up as a better, what, coach, mentor, teacher to our team which then supports, and now we're bringing everyone up, which then what? As I support myself, I'm now, as I get stronger, I'm now better able to support my teammates. And as they get stronger, we're now what? More, more ready to accomplish a mission, task, or goal. So upon self-reflection, having these experiences in combat and then the academy and now in your graduate school work, is there something you wish you knew around leadership, wish had been part of the military training at the very start, looking back and speaking to Dan, the young leader, ready and able to take action, committed, that you feel right now that you've learned through all of this work that, man, if I had that in my 20s, would have been really impactful. Don't be so hard on yourself. It's almost like a performance paradox. Like being hard on yourself gets you to certain places and, and gets you in certain rooms. And it also can, can be crushing at the same time. And so I would look to uh, still work hard and maybe that, that internal dialogue of things that I said to myself, I'd be a little, a little gentler with myself um, around mistakes or certain expectations I think I still could have met all those performance markers being a little bit a little bit kinder to myself. Yeah, I feel that's always the challenge looking back is this need to feel like it's a sprint when in actuality it's a marathon. Yeah. For me it was pedal to the metal at all times and and it only drove me to, right into a wall. So it's important to to let up and and know that you have that have that time and we and we see what a lot of our younger clients are like i want everything right now okay well we got a lot of work to do <laughs> but i'm glad you have that one that that one will be the motivation that we need but and it's yeah. and now later in life right so running that formula all the way through life and now later in life when i do slow down what pops up in my head oh you're being lazy right oh you're letting yourself go or oh you're doing this so it's just like, oh, <laughs> but just noticing those thoughts and not shutting those, those thoughts out because those thoughts are communicating something. So just like if I have discomfort in my body, my body's communicating something with me or if my, my intuitive state or my intuition, whatever, it's, it's all communicating. So those thoughts are communicating something with me and to take note of it and then almost like a self-negotiation. So going back to goals, I want to get up at 4 a.m., but I'm getting up at 6 a.m. right now. Well, let's split the difference and let's try 5 a.m. Let's start there and see how that goes. So it's the same thing with, hey, I'm going to take a break. Okay, well, maybe a break is 20 minutes. Maybe it's an hour. Maybe it's taking 30 minutes in the morning. Maybe it's taking something later in the afternoon. So almost like finding that balance point, and that goes back to calibration. So how it shows up for me will be different than how it shows up for you guys. So my break might be way longer. And you're like, oh my goodness, Dan, like you are a lazy dude. And I might be like, hey, this is, this is what I need to then sit back behind the computer and, you know, keep typing away or whatever it is. 
To the full episode, check out Five Tips to Lead Like a Navy SEAL in Any Setting with Dan Luna, linked in the show notes. If you've listened this far, my guess is because you want more out of life and finally succeed at love, work, and life. If that's the case, then join us, the Art of Charm team, and listeners just like you who are experiencing breakthrough conversations, supercharging their confidence, and growing an incredible network inside our world-famous X-Factor Accelerator program. The X-Factor Accelerator is where high-achieving, like-minded people meet, strategize to unlock your hidden X-Factor, to make sure that you get the most out of life's opportunities and unlock those doors keeping you from success. We start every month with a goal-setting strategy session, so you have a personalized plan of attack, as well as weekly practice sessions with opportunities to practice all of your conversation skills, rapport building, supercharging your charisma through powerful communication. Imagine what you can accomplish with coaching and mentorship with the Art of Charm. What are you waiting for? Join us today at unlockyourxfactor.com. All right, before we head out, a huge thank you to our producers, Michael Harold and Eric Montgomery. We hope you have an epic week.